Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Un podcast para ti y para mí. Tamarindo Podcast is your hosts, Luis Octavio and Brenda Gonzalez. And we are your socially conscious talk show with a Latino vibe. We are amigos talking politics, food, music, and life. Welcome! Welcome to a very special musical episode of Tamarindo Podcast. We're really excited that we have Las Cafeteras joining us today. We have a couple members of the band, Daniel French and Denise Carlos. They're going to tell us all about the, the, their music and their upcoming new album, Taste Like LA, which is coming out April 14th, and you can pre-order now. So follow them at lascafeteras.com and get all of their music, their tour, da tour dates. They're probably coming to a city near you very soon. Check it out. Yes, I'm so excited about these next guests. I have to say that when I first heard them... Las Cafeteras? Sí, me hicieron mover el esqueleto. It was amazing. <laughs> so we have Daniel French and Denise Carlos. What up? Bienvenidos. Members of the amazing band Las Cafeteras. Bra, bra, bra. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about what, who, who are Las Cafeteras? Oh, man, it's complicated. Okay, I will tell you <laughs> the short version. Uh, we're just a bunch of friends who learned how to play Son Jarocho, and it, within years evolved into a touring band from L.A., representing L.A., um, and mixing a bunch of different genres and stories and politics and identities into a big party. I love that. Ooh. I love identity parties. Can we record that? <laughs> I know. Ooh, it's happening. <laughs> and, uh, and Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit about, is it Daniel or Daniel? Yeah, however you want. After okay. college, it became Daniel. Daniel, I know, I know, right? After Mecha, it's Daniel. Post Mecha. It's Moctezuma. Okay. Daniel Moctezuma. Well, we'll hear from each of you, but why don't we start with you, Daniel? Tell, tell us your story, your personal story, and how that that background comes into play in your music. Sure. Um, so, yeah, personal story. How do I make that really short? Because I'm really good at making long, uh, short stories really long. So, um, yeah, uh, I was born in the San Gabriel Valley in, um, at the same hospital as Denise. Uh, we're not related. Didn't know each other then. I don't think. Really. You didn't know each other as infants? No. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't friends then, but we would be later. Um, yeah, so I was born in the San Gabriel Valley, uh, born and raised out there. Um, my pops was in the military, um, and he's uh, like Mohawk and Italian um, and a bunch of other things. So um, Native American, and on my mom's side, uh, we're from like North Mexico, so we're Northeast. Uh, from the Rio Grande. Our tortillas? Hey, always, all day. <laughs> um, so papillas and all that. So, um, yeah, that's. I was born and raised out here. And then I went to school in San Gabriel, in, in San Gabriel Valley. And one of the things I got really involved in was community organizing um, out there. And then I moved to L.A. to, like, Echo Park, um, doing work around the sanctuary movement. So um, working with faith communities like priests, pastors, imams um, to protect families who are being deported. And in that process, I was like, man, like, I've always been playing music uh, since I was in middle school. Uh, I played flute, clarinet, and drums and guitar. And then I heard about these people in, like, the Eastside Cafe. No, the, <laughs> those yeah, those. You know who those people are. <laughs> and they were, like, they were playing this music called Son Jarocho. And uh, later I found out it's from Veracruz. It's from the Gulf Coast of Mexico. And I was like, what is that stuff? I've never heard Son Jarocho music. And it just... Me cautivó, like it was like it 
made my body come alive. And tus tu calacas, like the yeah. esqueleto. Yeah, esqueleto. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's that's how I, I got in touch with other cafeteras at this garden in South Central LA called the South Central Farm. And from there, I was like, well, how do I get in on it? And they were like, well, just come to the East Side Cafe, come to the community center. And pff, hours hours every week, we we're playing OG traditional music. And that's how I got involved with Denise and the rest of the crew. Nice. What about you, Denise? I actually grew up a couple of blocks away from here. So oh. this is my hood. It's this crazy. is your hood. Yeah. Um, I was born in Monterey Park, but I grew up in Southeast LA, um, and I still claim Southeast LA. Uh, bra, bra. I was uh, in Bell till I was about eight, and then Huntington Park, more on the border of Maywood. Um, and my parents still live here, so um, and I'm actually going there. Right now. After this? <laughs> this yeah. Why not? I'm vegetarian, but yeah, I actually grew up around here. I went to school around here. Um, I went to high school in Bravo, Bravo Medical, which is in Boyle Heights. Um, and so from that age on, I kind of was more around that that area. I went to Cal State LA and got um, my degree in, in social work. And so from a very young age, from, you know, being in high school, my sister was five years older. I was very much uh, aware and and really interested in gender issues, primarily uh, women's experiences. So I was very much like a, an a self-identified feminist and Chicana when I was a teenager in high school. And then when I went um, on to college, so most of the work that I did away from like my academics had mm -hmm. to do with um, really doing stuff around like the women's experience and later on to more like LGBTQ um, kind of experiences. And, and kind of like I built my career around that because as a teenager, um, I was bulimic. I had an eating disorder for a really long time. And so I, when I started learning about about kind of my experience as a woman, um, my understanding of self and, and kind of the lack of, of self-love, I understood that I had to do a lot with, with gender and society and, and expectations and stuff like that. Um, I started dancing when I was 15. I danced ballet folklorico. My, my mom used to dance in Jalisco. So she's from Jalisco. My dad is from Baja California. Um, and I still dance now. So I've been dancing for 20 years. It's a long Damn. time. Uh, my, wow. my biggest commitment has been folklorico. Yeah. You start when you were like, one years old? No, I was 15. <laughs> I know I look good. Hey, yeah. <laughs> she just turned 21 this year. Con <laughs> chanacar. <laughs> hey, I know, huh? <laughs> and then I, um, so I did that in Castro LA, and during that time, I was in Mecha, and, and a lot of the work that we did was very community-based, very much around the local community, and so um, I met Jose, who's also in the band, in Mecha, um, and then we met um, the señor called uh, Roberto Flores, talked, talking to us a little bit about um, about this kind of this this community-based movement um, and calling it the Eastside Cafe, right? Which is where we later learned how to play Son Jarocho. And so we um, we did these meetings and we talked about Zapatismo and how that um, how that related and paralleled to the experiences we're having as, as people of color here in L.A. And so we would have different community um, events kind of celebrating our, our cultura um, in the hood, really understanding um, around self-sufficiency, self-determination, um, the beauty of the resources that we have. And so this is how the Eastside Cafe was really born and then later became a physical space. Um, you know, a year after I graduated college, I went to Chicago 
for my master's degree in clinical social work. Um, and for me, like as a Mexican daughter, it was like my way, like my way a escapar sin casarme. What do I do? I go to grad school. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I went to Chicago. I had no friends there. I had never been there. And it was just like my adventure. Did you survive the cold? Girl, I'm here. <laughs> How hard. did you survive the cold? It was hard, you know. I was I'm a therapist and and a lot of the work that I did was just really draining and so the physical space was also hard, but you know, it was the ganas. It was really I was the first person in the United States to get my graduate degree and my family. And um, for me it was like when I wanted to give up, I just had to think about my parents and everything they went through and and that they, like, they missed me, and they, they were, like, me estaban apoyando, pero mm -hmm. también no quería regresar con la cola, like, dentro de las patas, ¿no? You know what I'm saying? And so, it was just very much like that. I was like, no me puedo rajar. Like, I have to do this Eso. for myself. Yeah. And I came back for love. <laughs> ah, <laughs> You know, it was funny because um, not only love, like, love, love, but, like, love for my, for my city. It was very much, I was working as a psychotherapist, um, uh, my population was was undocumented uh, women who were survivors of domestic violence. Um, and I loved that work, and I loved the resiliency of the human spirit. At the same time, all the all the stuff with the South Central Farm was happening here in L.A., and my, my partner at the time, who was also on the band, uh, we're broken up now, he <laughs> actually got arrested with a lot of different folks from the Eastside Cafe trying to protect the South Central Farm. And I had this, like, moment of, like, what good is, is, is my education? What good is my experience? What good is, a, is the skill I have to be able to do this work if I'm not doing it in my community? So I came back. That's wonderful. Yeah, and that's when I started playing music. So, so, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing those stories. So who are the folks that are not here? Who are, who are, who are the other members? So we have uh, Denise's ex, if she does say it. Hector, <laughs> oh my God. Hector Flores. <laughs> Um, there's David Flores who uh, plays lead guitar. Are they when, related or? Yeah, they're brothers. Mm -hmm. When he's not getting uh, his PhD, then there's his wife Leah Gallegos. Um, <laughs> this is sounding like Saved by the Bell, right? And then, uh, <laughs> este, and then there's Jose Cano who's uh, from Oxnard, and he's super proud of that. And he plays uh, drums and percussion. Is that everybody? That's everybody that's like in the core. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right mm -hmm. Yeah, and then we also travel. Um, with Requintero, his name is Jorge Mijangos, who's a, a maestro of the Requinto, but also the Marimbol and the Laudero. And we also travel with um, our bassist, Gloria Estrada, who has, who's a part of um, Finger Dancer. She's part of Viento Callejero and also Mariachi Manchester. Oh my gosh, wow. everyone's super busy. How, I know, right? <laughs> How did the name come about? Like, when, when did that happen? How did it happen? We were just talking about names right now and how sometimes you're looking for that you know, perfect name, pero no te sale, and then all of a sudden, boom. So how did that come about? Yeah, it's funny because I always say que el pueblo nos nombró, right? We started off as a group of friends, like 20 people learning Son Jarocho, um, and traveling, going to Fandangos, right? There was Fandangueros in Santana. Um, yes, that's where I first heard of you guys, because we're both from, from Orange County, and we know uh, yeah. Centro Latino, I mean, no, Centro de Mexico, right? Centro Cultural, Centro Cultural, Cultural de Mexico. Yeah, and that's where we, we um, learned also a lot of Son Jarocho, and so people would say, oh, ahí vienen los cafeteros, you know, depending on where you're from, uh -huh. they, they kind of call you by that. Los cafeteros are here, cafeteros here and there. And so we we like the idea, but then we're like, at that point, there's a lot more women and we're like, well, cafeteros and cafeteras. And then, you know, we had to have a conversation. A lot of folks started kind of uh, drifting off because they weren't really interested in, in the performance aspect. So we had different committees. Oh, education, and you do this and you do that and the performers, you know, which, which kind of became who we are now. 
we talked about the, the power of language, right? And mm-hmm. how we didn't need to be cafeteras and cafeteros and how generally in Spanish, everything is very gendered. And we said, well, why don't we call ourselves las cafeteras and really challenge the status quo? We challenge language that way. And, and it was a deep conversation around what does it mean to be feminine? What does it mean to also embrace the feminine as a male, as, as somebody that's masculine and carries themselves in that way? And so, you know, the guys had a lot to say about that. And also they still have a lot of, um, not, not defending the name, but a lot of explaining, you know, especially mm-hmm. like señores preguntan, ¿por qué son cafeteras y son hombres? And so it's really about embracing the feminine, but also being like really feminist about it and be like like fuck patriarchal language yeah. right like, let's also embrace this because those venimos on a mujer and we're all gonna go back to mother earth so like it's all part of us mm-hmm. and yet how do you how do have you run across this question of, of uh, older latino men asking you to yeah. defend it yeah well well that's what's funny is like most of my cousins like like don't speak spanish or like really speak Spanish, so like we can order tacos, but maybe they don't, you know. So they would, <laughs> they won't really even notice. Like, oh, las cavateras, that's just your band name. Yeah. But yeah, it is the like, it's the older guys. We played once in like Ontario at this old theater with los dandies, and there were these. Oh. These guys. Yeah, it's like the kids of and members yeah. left over los dandies, and there's these two guys like <clears throat> in the front heckling, like, hey, las cavateras, hey, las. Cafeteras. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, they're like borrachos in the front while we're performing and stuff. Oh, my God. And they're like yelling at me. You know, I could see them laughing at me and stuff. And I'm like, wow, man, it's super deep. Like, it, <laughs> I, I I mean, I, I thought it was funny because I love that they were amused and they were like entertaining me. But, um, <clears throat> but I think it's cool. I mean, to me, it's very simple. Like, <clears throat> if I say, hey, guys, all right, there's two women in this room. There's guys in this room. But... You know, women are used to ex- putting, you know, accepting that. Oh, I'm talking to the Everyone women also. In the room, yeah. But if I say, "Hey, ladies," the guys in the room are like, "Oh, brain says wow. he's not talking to me." Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like easy. Like that's cool. If like if women always have to do with it, the least I can do is like I- experience that for a little bit. And and I think it's fine. Plus, I'm a pocho, so like I think language is like Spanish language. It's it's a I don't feel it in the same way. You know. Mm-hmm. But I have to ask just because it's kind of like the, the theme of this era. What do you think about the Latinx term? <laughs> oh, you're saying if we were uh, Lexus Cafeterics? <laughs> no, no, I don't no. Even no like. way. But that's kind of like the extension of that, right? Mm-hmm. But right now, you know, we still at this point, we, we describe ourselves as a, a socially conscious po- uh, podcast with a Latino vibe. But we've had that discussion about Latinx and we, I've see, I see it more and more. So I'm just curious, uh, what do you think about that term? Um, I think language always evolves the same as people in society do. I think it's a very young term uh, for me in my in my own experience and my own understanding of gender identity and gender expression and gender performance and also like adding a, an actual term. Like that doesn't apply to me, but I respect it that it's being utilized right now to really embrace the different, like the, the vast like gender identities and gender um, experiences that there are. Right. Um, So I'm like people utilize it as they see fit. Right. Um, And I and I respect that and I utilize it in that manner. When I'm talking to my parents, I won't use it because it it doesn't have the same accessibility. Mm -hmm. Right. To somebody who are my parents generation age or use the the Spanish language. Um, If I'm at a university or like some kind of more political like charge 
uh, space, I would use it because this is the language that we're using at this time, right? Um, how, like, I'm okay saying I'm a feminist or a womanist or a mujerista. It really depends on the space. Sometimes I say I'm Chicana. Sometimes I say I'm Mexican. Mm-hmm. It depends where I am and how I utilize it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is Daniel. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like... Uh, <laughs> Daniel X. Um, yeah, I mean, I heard the, the episode where y'all were talking with the Latinos who f- lunch. Lunch, yeah. Um, <laughs> who brunch and uh, who munch. Um, so, yeah, but I was, you know, I was listening to that combo, and we used to be Laos Cafeterao. So we used to have the, uh, the yeah. at symbol to embody both. But then you come down to like... Well, one, you can't have a website that has L at. You, know, you can't do hashtags with the at symbol. It's impractical. You know what I mean? <laughs> so then we, that's where we, we chose the gender of the group. But I feel like it's cool. Like, I, I, I feel like I get what it's trying to do. And I think it's dope. I think that's like, I think it's, it's, its, own, it's its own piece. Just like Denise, like, you know, I'm, I'll identify as Chicano. I identify as Mohawk. I identify as Native American. I identify as like mixed. And it kind of depends on where I'm at and who I'm talking to. And like, and, you know, Mohawk is the name of my tribe, but Ganyan Gahaka is the name that we use. Like, that's our name for our tribe. So, so there's also, like, when you're inside a certain circle, you use right. the name that we use versus, you know, sometimes you don't want to explain everything to somebody, like, every time. So, kind of, <laughs> let me give you the, you know, like, mm-hmm. code switch. So, exactly. let's, let's talk a little bit about your music, too, because your music yep. is also you know, very political and, and, and you can you can hear like the different backgrounds. Tell us a little bit more about the music. Like, where does this inspiration come from? Yeah, I mean, like Denise said, like uh, we were learning at this East Side, um, the East Side Cafe and we were learning some Jarocho music. It's like, it's like La Bamba. Everyone knows La Bamba. Uh, I think Hector and David and the band were, they were in Vietnam and they did karaoke and the second song that came <laughs> up was La Bamba. <laughs> in <laughs> Vietnam, people are singing La Bamba, dog. <laughs> So, um, so that's like a Afro Mexican song. Like it's mm-hmm. that that music. It comes from this mix of West Africans, the indigenous people of that land, like the Popolucas, the Spanish, and even Arab folks who all mixed together during colonization. And out of that came this awesome music. And so we kind of started learning that stuff. And then after a while, we're like, well, I would be like, hey Hector, do this like reggae strum thing, and then I'm gonna rap over it, and then. People be like, ooh, I don't know, can we do that? We're using these traditional instruments. Like, uh, uh, are people going to be mad at us? Whatever, let's yes. just... Yes, the answer is yes. They, they are going to be mad at you, <laughs> but do it anyways, right? But anyways, <laughs> and, and so poco a poco, we just started like adding things that I think we were, we were like connecting with the culture, but none of us are from Veracruz. It's right. like none of our family culture. It's more like our national culture. Like it's connected through Mexico, the nation. So I think after a while we're like, well, I mean, we're not really from there. So let's add the other stuff we want. So then we start singing different and throwing a reggae thing or throwing like a rock and espanol thing. or Mixing languages. You know, we kind mm-hmm. of like there was a point where, yeah, there was anger about how we were kind of like utilizing it for ourselves because a point there was a point where we kept asking well what does this mean and who says talks like that and we didn't really understand what the versos were about they're 400 years old right and so we didn't know how to how it really applied although it was really great to be able to like feel free and sing with your friends you know it didn't really make sense to to a lot of us um and so we're like well why don't we 
do why don't we sing about our life and why don't we add some cumbia and why don't we you know maybe do some hip-hop because that's what comes out of us and yeah there was a point where people who were very very um traditional about the music were like well you're dishonoring the roots right or well you're um watering down like the beauty of of this cultural music and you should stop and for a moment we did and then we came back and we're like well well, as Chicanas and Chicanos, we are never pure in our, like, Mexican cultura or American cultura, but it still deserves honor, and it still deserves space. And and in our own language of, of you know, being um, Spanglish or whatever, like Pocho, pocho uh, language, we will do it as it serves us, and it's an offering, right? And and it's beautiful in the way that people have been able to connect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, people say you're a political band, and we're like, no, we're just talking about what we live and what we hope to see. And um, if being brown and poor and have being on a stage is political to you, then there's a you know then there's something to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, we wanted to close our interview with the same questions that we ask everyone, and then after we do that, we're um, going to play a couple of your songs, and I, and we'll tell you which ones. And you'll tell us a little bit about those songs in the process. This is for your new album, so we're really excited to be able to have you here yeah. and have people be able to access this right away. So the first question we ask all our guests, and um, maybe I'll ask Daniel first, is what is your favorite snack? Easy. We'll start easy. My favorite snack is tacos de papa con guacamole. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ew, dude. Well, if you just have, like, two. That's a, that's a snack. <laughs> it depends on your metabolism. That's true. That's true. <laughs> nice. A ver, Denise. Oh, okay, I love Fritos with limón and chile. Nice. Mm. What kind of chile? <laughs> what kind of chile, though? Like, with tapatio. Tapatio? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That, that <laughs> sounds like good. It. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> it's acceptable. Pasa. Um, now, if you had a telenovela, okay, and uh, what would that name of that telenovela be? Or if you were the main character in a telenovela, what would the name of your character be? Well, I already have a name that I've been named by my friends. Um, so apparently I'm like, a different person when I'm on stage and so they're like you're like a Latina Beyonce you're like you're not Sasha Fierce you're Cha Cha Fierce oh, okay. Cha Cha Fierce I Cha-cha love Fierce. it I love it nice how about you Man, I don't know. I don't even watch enough telenovelas to know or about your life it could be or it would be like um man that's such a hard question <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say I would be El Gordo y El Flaco <laughs> It would it would depend on like after tour or before tour. Is this, is, does your weight fluctuate in this? It does because our, and depending on the panza. tour, some because you're on the you're in a car for like nine hours, right? Well, because some tours they feed you really well, and some tours you don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then sometimes you come back, you're like, like you're you know, panza's all. Sometimes you're like, mom. <laughs> you're like, mom, please feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. <laughs> like for food. Yeah. I love it. And then finally, um, if you had a chancla and you could throw it at a person thing, concept, who gets your chancla? Ooh, like the kinky chancla? Any, <laughs> any kind. Hands out Washington. Eh. Hey. Oh. Um, you know what? He looks good for 61. Hey. 61? Yeah. Back to my crack. That's good. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, my chancla would go to... Oh, man. So many people deserve the chancla. It could be a person, Maybe. place, thing. Person, place, or thing? Yeah, a concept, an idea. Okay, my anything. chancla is going to the wall. Yes. <laughs> the imaginary wall. For sure, the ineffective imaginary wall. I love it. I love it. How about you? Mm, I mean, 
I don't want to choose the obvious one, right? I think yeah. every, I think the whole world's throwing chanclas at at, at a certain person. But uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna throw a chancla at um, at everyone watching life like it's a movie right now. You mean they're like passive? And yeah, not yeah, active? we're watching this stuff like it's right. a movie. So I'm gonna throw the chancla at everybody just watching life and say, "Despiértate! It's time to get to work. This is the time to do whatever you're supposed to do, whatever that is." Agreed. We need you. Chanclaso. Chanclaso. He dicho. Señor presidente, le vengo a avisar. No tengo papeles para trabajar. Señor presidente, pregunto por qué matan al moreno con piel de café. Si fuera presidente. Okay, so now we want to hear about your music and your your very your album that just released. Mm-hmm. We're so, super excited. Finally, yeah. Did you guys work really hard on it? I'm sure. Yep. Yeah, man, we're going through some stuff, but we, it all came out in the music. It so all came out in the end. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about um, a couple of songs here? So first, tell us a little bit about if you were president. If I was president, what is? Mm-hmm. Tell us about that song and the process. What do you have to song? say about that, Daniel? Bra- bra- so uh, if I was president, <laughs> it's it's uh, one of the songs we're leading with off of our Taste Like LA album which is like this mix of like LA sounds and stories um, if I was president it's really like um, it's a song that's trying to get people that, that brought us on a journey of like well it's easy to critique it's easy to be like oh Trump he's terrible oh you know these people are terrible it's so easy to critique but it's hard actually when you think about like what, well, what do you want mm-hmm. what, do, what do you what would you do right mm-hmm. like if you had the power if you couldn't fail what would you try to do and so we kind of went on that journey. And so this song is really about us saying, like, if I was president, this is what I would do. But it's also saying, well, if you were president, what would you do? And we're hoping to incite the imaginations of, of the listener and hopefully that you go tell someone what you would do. And hopefully that leads to you doing it. Mm-hmm. Nice. And hopefully that we have a bunch of visionary people out there imagining building another country. Very cool. Can you, uh, so tell me about your creative process. Like, how do you all put this together i'm sure this is the question that everybody asks (laughs) yeah it's really funny because it's very organic right like we um we make music a lot of the times we we start just kind of jamming right and somebody will start with like a little like melody and then you put drums over it and you kind of just add you know like you're making food just add a little like seasoning and some like other stuff and um like generally like i will just make up stuff in my head and like I don't know why I'm good at rhyming in Spanish. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like like the like the other song Paletero. That's how that one came out. Um, but sometimes it's about co- like conversations, like Daniel was saying. Um, you know, it's like, well, like what would we do? Like, there's a song called Señor Presidente that's on Jarocho that we have been playing. It's like, okay, let's let's step it up a notch. 
let's just not like talk about like the stuff that's wrong, but let's talk about building and let's talk about like what we would do. And and I think generally it's like really organic. We don't necessarily like sit and say, we are going to write a song about this. You know, it just kind of comes out. Everybody has stuff when you go into the rehearsal space or meetings or conversations. And we're like, well, let's make that a song then. If this is what you're thinking about, if this is how you're feeling, if this is what you want people to feel or think, and then let's just make it into music. And I think that's that's what's really cool about us because we, a lot of us didn't grow up playing music or, or learning how to write and compose and or like, you know, being poets or whatever. And so everything goes in Las Cafeteras studio. Everything nice. goes, right? And so I think that's the beauty of how we make music. Okay, great, great. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this? This land is your land. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, and you know that everyone's pretty much heard that song. It's um, it's a cover slash reimagination of the song. This land is your land, and and we really start off singing it. You know, um, the name of the of Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie, right? Um, but we kind of, we, we make it more of a corrido style ranchera, which is really cool for me because my dad is, you know, he's a cachanilla from Baja California, very cowboy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is kind of the music I grew up listening to. And it's like, I think it really messes with, with this idea of like uh, America and like, you know, this understanding that the United States is the only America. It's like, no, we sound different than just, you know, Western music um, or folk American music. It's like, well, what if if this land also meant corridos and rancheras and mm-hmm. people who are brown and, you know, which it does. So I think it really, like, messes with people like, wait a minute, what are you doing with that song? <laughs> Why are you jumping around on stage? And you sing Spanish and English in this song? So I think it really, like, it reimagines this idea of American. That's so great. I mean, Im- imagínate if everybody had the opportunity to remake this song, which is very quote-unquote American, Well, right? I mean, this song has uh, a lot of... Pol- it's got a political history. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if there's any song to, that is open to expanding, it's definitely this that, one. Yep. And, and, you know, that was the whole thing. Woody Guthrie came out of, like, the Okies. Like, there were people who were displaced because they were over-farming the land. So they ran out of water, like it's happening in California, and they had to move. So they became migrants. You know, these white, you know, folks who their ancestors came from Western Europe. They had to move, and they came to California and wrote that song. And so, you know, again, it's like our people have had to move around. And um, at the same time, the, the, question, the song says, this land, which land, this land, whose land? And so it's also trying to, I think, ask people to think, like, well, cool, you're saying you're from California. Well, what was California called before it was called California? What was Los Angeles called? Right. Right. What, the, the Tongva people were here before Mexican before it was called Mexico before it was called anything else so it's also like let's let's go deeper into what we even mean by where we're from yeah and it also um there's a dicho todo para todos nada para nosotros which we add in you know the zapatistas were also displaced peoples in their own state in their own land right indigenous folks who said you know basta con el gobierno que no, no nos reconoce Right. And so like they self-govern and this idea that it's not just immigrants in the United States who, who are being displaced. They're also marginalized. It's also people in native countries. Yeah. Right. Who in in their own like land are being are being displaced and dishonored and really not um, taken into consideration. Yeah. Great. Well, I was also sharing with you before we recorded that um, when I when I became citizen and actually this this song has recently had a lot of 
um, the original song, right, has had a lot of um, press, if you will, because Lady Gaga mm-hmm. used the, the opportunity of, like, the biggest stage ever, which is during the Super Bowl, to play that song. And there was a lot of debate, like, is it political? Isn't it? I mean, I feel like it very much is political. And I was sharing with you that when um, I did my swearing-in ceremony, I was so disappointed that the song that they chose to play <laughs> as, like, welcoming you to becoming a U.S. citizen is another a song that I feel that is vastly different. <laughs> it's, I'm proud to be an American, <laughs> which in my, my, when I was in college, a college professor of mine said, to be, to be honest, like the real words of that song is I'm proud to be an American because at least I know I'm white. Like that's what he thinks. <laughs> really? That's what, our, that's what, that's his that's view. That's translation. Yeah, that's what he feels like. That's the, the truth of behind that song. <laughs> but, and this land is your land and this land is my land is much more, you know, political and it's about the, the deeper things that I think you touch on in your reimagination of it. So I'm very excited to hear that song. Because that song just menchina la piel because it's such a feel-good song. I just want to, I just, it reminds me of my summers, you know, and and La Casa hanging out. But like, how did that come about? Oh my God, it's such a cute song. If I do say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) Tell him. Humilde, humilde la chava. (laughs) (laughs) Este, that, I mean, that just came out. We were jamming and, um... I don't know. I think, you know, a lot of times we just we just think about what's going on outside and maybe like a, a paratero was passing by. I don't know. Maybe I was hungry. But <laughs> sometimes you just want to talk about cute things. <laughs> you don't just want to talk about the things that suck in the world. Um, and, I mean, who in L.A., like... Who ha- who that who grows up in LA or lives in LA doesn't hear the the paletero like the campanitas or doesn't think about paletas when when it's summertime and being in or like chanclas and running around and so a lot of it I mean it's just a cute love song of really appreciating right and and I think also there's that heavier part heavier part about um about street vendors and really honoring that work and not criminalizing them but also just like the the narrative in my mind about growing up in LA is paleteros and aloteros and just like the stuff like running down your face like a chorreada you know (laughs) but just that just like really appreciating this piece of growing up and then adding a little cutie thing of like hey like 
like maybe what if somebody does fall in love with their paletero like what does that feel like and like the tension of like you know you know like being in junior high you get all like oh my gosh this is a very handsome paletero yeah, it's such, a, melt. it's such a great song. Such a great song. I, I mean, well, my favorite part is that there's a tamarindo flavor. Exactly. Gracias. <laughs> got you. lascafeteras.com or hit us up on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you can find music, we'll be there. But lascafeteras.com and we're probably playing in your town. So check us out and come to the concert. It's like LA. I love it. I, I, I'm sorry, that name is hilarious because it just makes me, I live in downtown LA so I don't know about the flavors there very much. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love it. We're so excited. This is the name of the album. It tastes, t- it's like, tastes LA. like LA. Okay. Like LA. Think of tamarindo and paletas de fresa instead of what I thought about. All right, well, thank you. Thank you guys for stopping by tamarindo. We're so excited to, we can't wait to release this, and we're so glad you all made this the trip here. Yes, muchísimas gracias. Thank you for having us. We're super excited. And here's to all you independent podcasters out there in Pocaslandia. Nos vemos. Ah, yes. <laughs> Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. 
Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI, 220099